0: Welcome to the only podcast for piano teachers just starting out, Piano Teacher Primer. My name is Angela Toon. Keep listening for the prime pro tips you can use with your own students right away. 39: How to charge for piano lessons. So I've said this before, but first before we get started, I just want to have a little disclaimer here. Even though I get questions about it, I don't like to talk about exact amounts of what to charge for piano lessons because it varies so much. Even within, we've got different states, we've got different countries. This podcast is listened to in over 30 countries, by the way, and so I even if I talk about dollar amounts, we're gonna—it's not gonna be relevant to other countries. But even within a state, even within a city, you're gonna have variety of different uh, demographics that are going to be able to pay for piano lessons at different levels. So uh, there's gonna be a wide range. So ask around in your area to determine what to charge, okay? Ask other parents, family members, other piano teachers, um, as you decide what to set your rates at. And don't be afraid to charge what you're worth, okay? Think about it, private lessons, one-on-one. Have you ever looked into private tennis lessons or private swimming lessons, for example? Holy cow! If parents are willing to cover it, then go for it. You provide a premium, personalized experience here. And even if you do other types of teaching and groups and things, go for it. Um, okay, so now we're going to get into the main topic of today, how to charge. And what brought this on? Uh, I'm talking about ways to structure your tuition that work the best for you. And I wanna share what works the best for me and the different things that I've done over the years. And what spurred this on is I've been getting questions about this not just what to charge but how do you set up your tuition um my sister was asking me this too with regards to her kids as piano teachers so every teacher has different policies on this right and different ways of of charging the families so i'll just kind of share a few things i've learned along the way and i'm also going to share things that i know other people do and how it works for them and why so I have one friend, te- piano teacher friend, and she's an older lady. And she says, I don't want to owe anybody and I don't want anybody to owe me. So she has them pay by the lesson. And every student that comes puts their money or their check or in a little basket and she just has them pay by the lesson. And that works really well for them. <laughs> well for them. Um, another thing that I have learned... Uh, from other piano teachers, is having the parents pay at the beginning of the month for all the lessons in that upcoming month. There are benefits to having them pay at the beginning of the month versus the end of the month because they're more likely to have their student come to the lesson. They're less likely to cancel if they've already paid for it. Um, There can be different amounts for the number of weeks there are Uh, Some teachers will just say if there's ever a fifth week, you have that week off and they'll schedule like their own vacations on the fifth week. So that's one way that I know some teachers run it. And then when I, I was actually doing this method and having them pay at the beginning of the month, sometimes parents would not pay. Not because they didn't want to or couldn't, or they would sometimes not pay just because of the uncertainty of not knowing how much it was that month. Like if it was the week of Thanksgiving, you know, are you teaching the week of Thanksgiving? And, um, so just a little bit of confusion made it, uh, made them forget or wonder or, and maybe not pay me on time, um, And then another thing that I did during this time was I would credit to the next month if the student was sick. Cause I'm like, hey, if the student's sick, like you don't have to pay for that lesson. Uh, If the student forgot, then if we couldn't find a makeup lesson time, I would still charge them for that lesson. So, and then on the other end of the spectrum is paying a monthly tuition. So many teachers uh, that I know do a monthly tuition. It's the same amount each month for the families and despite the number of weeks or cancellations or sicknesses. And some teachers offer makeup lessons and some really cannot. I mean, if you've got 60 students and no free spots, you probably can't offer makeup lessons. So um, I do know one teacher studio offers a makeup group lesson at the end of like a semester. And so if you can make it great, if not, well, okay then. Um, and they these teachers figure that teaching piano is a lot more than just the time put in teaching the actual lesson. Uh, there's prep, there's deciding music, there's organizing everything, schedule, and there's planning recitals. And, and it's kind of like a dance Tuition, or you know, you pay for your membership in this program and then it covers everything, right? So, that is a really common way to pay, and it's simpler for the parents because it's the same amount every month. And some even set up like a recurring payment thing, and then they can totally set it and forget it, like with their monthly bill pay with their bank. I have some parents that do this too. Um, And then they they know exactly what it is and they know exactly when it's due and then they can, it's like, they don't have to think about it anymore. Um, Because of the nature of private lessons, I have personally felt more comfortable offering a certain number of lessons for their monthly payment. Like, just in my mind, I like it to work out that their monthly payment covers a certain number of lessons. But as we all know, every month is different, so it, I wanted it to be the same amount every month, but I still wanted it to kind of work out to a certain number of lessons. So after talking to several teachers, I came up with this, I call it my semester system today, um, and and charge high enough that it covers those admin things in your mind. uh, And also the way that I do this, I do think it makes it a priority for students to come to lessons. And parents can also decide as, as you will hear as I explain this, they can kind of decide, you know, do I want a lesson this week or this? Okay, so it's the same amount every month. And I tell them in my policy letter and when they first come to my studio and I tell them it covers a certain number of lessons per semester. Okay, so for example, I take the last week of August and I go through December until like the week before Christmas. It depends on what day Christmas falls, but about till when they get out of school for Christmas. So there's usually uh, like a week before Christmas or a couple of days before Christmas. So whatever week they're out of school is kind of my makeup week. So last week of August through Christmas. So this year it's like 16 weeks and I offer 14 lessons during that time. So if they get all 14 lessons in before that last week of school, then they get a week off. And nobody minds a week off right before Christmas. (laughs) It's not a problem. Also, if a student is sick or on a vacation, or if I choose to set a vacation in there, and because there's still enough weeks in there that we can have a vacation here and a and a Thanksgiving there, and then it still works out. And then let me give you an example for the summertime. Since we're just ending summer right now, um, I, I've also gotten questions about this, like do you have students cancel for the summer? I never recommend canceling for the summer. I think they just go backwards. So here's how I do the summertime. I have families pace two months instead of three, and so they pay June and July and then nobody has to pay in August but the June and July payment covers seven lessons over the entire summer so again there's like 12 weeks of summer about where i live and then the then then the um the two months cover seven lessons in those 12 weeks. So we're still able to go on vacation. We're still able to have some flexibility, camps and different things that inevitably happen in the summer, but then they're still having lessons during the summer. And have I allowed a student to only have one month of lessons spread out over the summer? Yes, I have allowed that once or twice, but I just like recommend that they do the two months and then it's, and then it's seven lessons through the whole summer. And it's plenty, really, between all the vacations. And again, if it gets to the end of the summer and they've had all seven, then they get a week off and nobody minds. So it's really, it's really a, a fun way to do it. Now I realize that, that I'm getting paid 11 months instead of 12 that way. So some teachers offset that by having a camp, and then they have a group thing in the summer. I'm going to just have to wait till my kids are older to have bandwidth to do that. Older? My kids are teenagers. Maybe they're going to have to be out of the house. I don't know. Anyway, sometimes I stress out in the summer a little bit. So, um <laughs> um but you could make up that other month um in some other ways. If you wanted to, you could do some group classes, you could do some Um, music history camps, or some composition camps, or some, there's super fun things that you could do if you have more bandwidth than I do. So uh, if you wanna make up that 12th month. But for me, honestly, it works for me because I don't wanna be teaching that whole month. you know, that whole amount of time. It's kind of not even possible with with how I run it. Um, I think I have an episode actually that I did at the beginning of summer about different ways to run summer. So you can refer to that if you want some more ideas about summer. Okay, so does that make sense? Whenever I explain this, I worry that it maybe doesn't make sense, But, um, but what I do is I keep track of each student that comes. So I have their page and I see at a glance and I count up the number of lessons that they've had in that semester. And so I just have circles. I just circle the date that they come, circle, 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 and then I count circles, and oh, you've had your seven lessons, so you can have a week off. And then I communicate with each family as that last week of the semester is approaching, and then to let them know, yes, have them come to the lesson, or you've already paid for another lesson, you're welcome to have them come, or hey, you've had all your lessons, you can get a week off that week, and, um. And I choose to not credit them if they choose or are unable to come to that last lesson. I think both parents and I want it to be simple, so I just offer it and if they take it, great. Uh, If there are extraordinary circumstances like a job layoff, for example, or something, then I have, you know, made some adjustments for like extenuating circumstances, but we make it work, right? And I choose to offer makeup lessons because sometimes I'm the one that needs to change a lesson or wants to change a lesson. You know, if I wanna hit a soccer game and I wanna see one of my son's soccer games for the high school, a lot of them are on these weekday afternoons, right, when I would be teaching. And so I choose to not teach on Friday afternoons so I can put some lessons over there or I allow my students to trade with each other if they um, wanna trade times. So I have them let me know, but I want all the students to have lessons, right? This is why I'm teaching piano. I want them to come and I'm, what happens when they don't have lessons for a while? They stagnate or they go backwards. Um, and then I can schedule these makeup lessons for what works for me. So if it doesn't work for them, um, there you go, you know, oh, well, but if someone else cancels, if I have an open spot and if we can make it work, then we do. But again, some some teachers say no makeup lessons and I can totally understand why because it does get a bit confusing. There's more on all of this in the Piano Teacher Primer course. You can learn more about that at AngelaToon.com and in fact the pages where I write and circle the dates of each student coming, that is also included in the Piano Teacher Primer course. Okay, final point here is raising your prices. Again, Raise your prices, charge what you're worth. Uh, First suggestion with raising your prices is give them some notice. So you might mention it at the beginning of the summer and then it's gonna happen in the fall or you might mention it in the fall and it's gonna happen in the beginning of the new year, something like that. Give them some months so that they are aware and if it really is too much for them then they can make other arrangements. I um, recommend not charging different amounts. For, for, for example, some will say, well, I'm just going to charge new families more and I'm going to keep my existing families the same rate. Uh, I guess it would be fine if you just let them all know. If you let them all know beforehand and everybody's aware, hey, you're grandfathered in, you're staying, but uh, new students are going to be charged more. If you tell the new students, hey, I've had these other families for a long time, they're grandfathered into this older rate. So I guess it could work, but parents will talk. So don't try to keep it a secret. They may not appreciate being charged more for the same service. So I prefer to just change it across the board. And then you want to state it just really matter of factly, right? You want to think about it ahead of time and write down for yourself why you're raising your prices and why it totally makes sense. Inflation is real, everybody. (laughs) And um, another thing I do is I send an actual letter, I send a actual snail mail paper letter explaining some of the reasons like I'll just share a couple of times that I've raised my prices and some of the things that were in the letter. Uh, When the recital hall that I use for three recitals a year, they like tripled their prices at one point. And then there were some other costs that increased that year. Um, Another reason that I say it is, hey, my kids are getting older. I'm able to focus more on the lesson. You know, I'm not getting interrupted by little kids as much. Uh, I'm able to... um, you know, prepare more exciting things for the program or different things like that. Or when I finished my MTNA certification, I raised my prices. And then I always mention every year that we teach piano, our experience goes up, right? You know, like when you apply for a a boring real job (laughs) and they, they need experience and how many years experience do you have in this? Well, we have experience year upon year upon year of teaching piano lessons, and that is so valuable. That is so valuable, and parents are willing to pay for that experience. So raising your prices, um, that is a couple of ways to do that. Okay, so I am just here to cheer you on, piano teachers. You are doing a fabulous work, and it is again a premium experience for these families to have one on one time with you, the expert in how to play the piano, and that you can take a personalized approach for each student. That is so valuable. And test it out, you know, test out the waters. And if you move to a new area, you might need to switch things up a bit because every area is so different. And don't be afraid to ask your friends what they charge and your piano teacher friends get get kind of in the piano teaching community in your area. And it's it's helpful to kind of see what different people charge uh, and why people charge a little more. And if you offer like a, a different experience that parents are willing to pay for, go for it. Go for it. So I hope this gives you some ideas because I think my semester system really is quite unique. I, I have talked to a couple of teachers. This is where I learned it from, but I think it's kind of a unique situation. So that's why I wanted to share it on the podcast today. Thank you. And if you have any questions about piano teaching, I am having fun with those. So DM me uh, on Instagram. My Instagram is Angela Tune underscore. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the support and we will see you guys next week. Are you having as much fun with this podcast as I am? Are you getting some actionable tips? Help more beginning piano teachers find us by leaving a rating and a review. On Apple, you just scroll down to the bottom and click on the stars. And on Spotify, you click the three dots near the top and click rate show. Also visit AngelaToon.com for free videos, downloads, courses. Together, we'll change the world one student at a time.